Brainstorming and pitching ideas is the funniest part of the creative process. We decided to skip the boring part of actually making stuff and just do the fun part. I'm comedian Jason Gillerin. I'm regional comedian Dave Crumbly. I'm your host, Tom Woma. This is Creativity Wasted. Tom, I want your idea. I want to hear it. I want to live it. Okay, so um, there's obviously been a lot of racial stuff in the news, and I I don't usually get involved in social media on the racial stuff. I guess I'll say I I believe Black Lives Matter because you have to say the magic words, and I do believe that. Um I'm laughing at something, your phrasing, but something I, magic I, I has believe. happened. I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Some, I'm not, something magic has just happened. Here. I'm not one of those people who refuse to say it, which is weird, also. Yeah. But um, <laughs> I don't okay. really have too much hope that things will get better by politics and by protesting. I mean, they might change a few laws about certain types of police behaviors, but I don't think it's right. going to change like the um, standard of living of the average black person or the average poor person or whatever you got a ways to go um but i have uh i've had a lot of big ideas on, on the podcast over the years and three of them i think would do a lot to um help make racial equality better mm-hmm. um they're not about that specifically but i think they would they would help okay uh, so I, want, I just wanted to revisit those three ideas with the lens of um race and uh, equality okay so this is not super funny so the first one is called teach or die and it's uh based on the name funny or die and basically it'd be a teaching system for elementary grade school kindergarten through 12th grade this is my favorite idea this is actually what inspired me to do this podcast actually okay i've had it for years actually COVID is a good time to implement it if anybody cared to listen to Mm -hmm. my ideas it divides the role of teacher into three different roles. One is classroom monitor. One is uh, multimedia lessons. And then the third one is tutors. So normally within a classroom, a teacher does all three roles. Like they take attendance and keep the kids from acting crazy. That's the classroom monitor. They actually teach the lessons. But I would be replacing that with like e-learning, like multimedia lessons. It'd still be probably in a physical classroom but it would be it would involve like animations and computers and little computer programs where the kids have got to like click around and maybe see like a visual 3d image of a biology lesson or see a math problems in real time as it's being solved and stuff like that and then the third one is tutors in tutoring Part of the the teaching is, okay, do you have any questions like during the hour of teaching so the kid could ask a question at that time? So what I'm calling tutors is both the questions that would have happened in the classroom and also what rich people would pay for after school, mm-hmm. but what would be like a study hall period instead. So okay. in my system, you'd get rid of the concept of teacher. You'd have these low-paid classroom monitors that don't need to get teaching degrees. They just they have charisma. They watch the kids. They they make the kids behave. The lessons are multimedia, and then there's a study hall period where they have like the best teachers from before, but they're tutors for all sorts of different topics. It's like the idea of like defund the police, and they're doing the defund not defund yeah. education, but I mean you're kind of like reconstructing it. Reconstructing the concept like, of a. You know, why a do we school. have if you have cops doing several jobs? And, and so um, teachers doing several jobs when you could maybe yeah so you'd you'd sit, save a lot of money 
because you wouldn't be paying for every teacher you'd have a classic monitor which is getting paid like half the money but they're also they don't have the college debt either and then so you could take some of that money you could throw it to extracurricular after school things you could throw it towards um i always thought there should be more psychologists in schools normally there's like one for a whole school or one for a whole grade maybe they'd have a whole handful of them Right, different levels, like you know, yeah. certain age kids. Like I'm, I'm really good with seven and a half year olds. Yeah, and the other thing about the e-learning, the multimedia lessons, is that um, it would be a, structured to be a never-ending competition between teaching companies and e-learning companies. So you would have like a, a small topic, mm-hmm. like a day to a week or two weeks long, whatever makes sense for yeah. to to split into a topic, not a whole year-long course but like split it into tiny chunks and some company or some even individual would develop some teaching lesson teaching materials quizzes animations right whatever for that and maybe 10 other people would also and then they would give those lessons to randomized groups of kids throughout the country Right, and, um, see and see which one does better. Some objective outcome, uh, yeah. Yeah. And As opposed to having, like, the kids vote, like, on American Idol, like, you know. Yeah, like well, who's my favorite like, teacher? Oh, yeah. the one who cheers a lot us yeah. and lets us eat candy and the use guy, our phones. Yeah. and That e-lesson that had the, you know, Harambe in it or something like that. But And it wouldn't be, like, some company that just creates an, a lesson and tries to pawn it off on the school for 20 years and then it never evolves it'd be in this never-ending competition if some other teacher or company developed a lesson that got better test results mm-hmm. they would get paid more and they would get taught to more higher percentage of kids in the future mm-hmm. that contest would just run forever so, so that's the idea okay that's where the name comes from teach or die so right. if it doesn't teach the kids well it dies Okay, right. If it yeah, teaches them well, it lives on and it gets taught right. to more higher percentage of students and they get more money. And it's like comedians, we want to get laughs. They got to get grades. And so why this would help with racial equality is that every student in the country would get the same mix of lessons. Every school district. Every school district, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so like the best one would be maybe always be taught to 70% of all kids in the whole country okay and then the up-and-comer ones or the ones that didn't do quite as well would get taught to a smaller percentage and then if those lessons taught it well they would get a higher percentage the next term it's like a soccer team kind of playing into a league like if it does well they move up if it if they do well they get relegated to yeah so everybody would get that same mix based on merit of the teaching materials there would the rich school wouldn't get always the best one and also all of the schools in the whole country or whoever did the system, they would be in sync. So if a kid moved from one school to the other, he wouldn't be way behind. Because I've heard that that happens a lot. If kids are in a yeah. poor school and then they move to a wealthier neighborhood, they find, oh, shit, I'm like a year behind. Um, so that would it would help with that. And um, Something we need, for sure. Yeah, the... Society um, needs that, you know. Standardizing it's going to be... I don't know. No, I don't... I'm not teacher i don't i don't know enough about teaching to kind of like you know what how do they teach the teachers and what do they do but yeah neither do i i'm not talking from knowledge i didn't know last time i did this idea i did have a high school teacher as one of the guests and she provided Uh, some feedback that would have been helpful yeah but anyway another reason why it would help with like racial equality is that um 
I, I don't think we've ever been able to get enough good teachers to want to live in the poor neighborhoods that, that need the good teachers. I mean, there's always been a few who want, I mean, some of them just grew up in those areas and they want to teach in those areas, but right. some I of mean, them are like good teachers just out of college who, who grew up in like rich white areas and they want to teach in a poor school in Podunk, Iowa or inner city school. There's always been a few of those, but not enough. But in, so in my system, the only people who are actually teachers are the tutors for the one study hall period. So you only need about a sixth as many good teachers per school. Maybe it would be okay. a quarter as many, whatever. So the, the ratio of good to bad teachers would be better for the teachers that are there. And also sometimes kids have to repeat a whole grade. Mm -hmm. In this case, maybe you would only need to hold them back for like one class where the kid failed because if it's all on the computer, there wouldn't necessarily have to have a whole, he could be doing his own lessons that right. nobody else sitting around him is doing. It might make it easier to catch up. And also they're recording all the lessons. They can go back and spend more time learning it. So if you have. And this might be applicable even to healthcare, you know. I mean, you had a high school teacher on a show that maybe some feedback tonight. Today you got somebody that knows how to put a metal sound in a urethra. <laughs> okay. Feel free to comment on any of this, Dave, if, if you have any comments. If you're not asleep. I barely graduated from high school. I have no concept on reorganizing our, our, our education, our deeply flawed education system. Other than, um, I don't know, I guess completely blowing it up. Well, this would completely blow it up, I think. I'm yeah. getting, firing all the teachers, <laughs> pretty much. And retrain. Yeah. Well, well it we sounds like you're speaking my language yet. Um,. If you have anything quick, otherwise, because no, I, I have the two other ones. So yeah. the second one, I call it the stuff on demand house. Okay. Um, it's based on Amazon's factory robots that I saw on like a 60 minute special. And they look like Roombas and they like, they move underneath like a shelf of stuff. They lift it up like a car jack and then they, mm -hmm. they wheel it around. And my thought was you could, you could do that for a lot of stuff in your house, almost everything in your house. Like you could put your chairs on a stand so you could wheel in and out the chairs you could wheel in and out like your laundry so it could go to some laundromat where people could clean it for you and wheel it back so mm -hmm. the idea is that a lot of your stuff or maybe even all of your stuff you just wheel in and out so you could live in like a super tiny house but still have all of your stuff so would it be like shared stuff like our stuff that or is your stuff is kind of like put in sort of like it's maximizing space use first of all Right. You're kind of like trying yeah. to. Yeah. So, well, so some stuff like you wouldn't even need to own like a washing machine if the facility would wash your clothes for you. And so like right. some stuff There's like. Some shared. Yeah. Yeah. Some of it could be shared like hammers and. Right. Bow I think flexes. Like, I think like that, and, like tools. Yeah. Certain things that you use very rarely. You just say, hey, today I need a ladder. I don't I don't. I have a ladder, but I need one today. And like a drone or something flies it in. Like that's might be happening soon. I think is like yeah. You could saying. also use drones. I was picturing everything on the room of robots. It's coming from somewhere, like right. I mean, so the stuff's got to be like they was take it out of your house and then like kind of like bring it to somebody else that needs it. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So it could just reside in other people's houses. Some of it. Yeah. For sharing that way, but I sort of pictured it to be like a warehouse for the community. Where like some, the, all yeah. the laundry machines would be at, all of the extra storage stuff. It's a digital commune, sort of like. You know, yeah. Okay. And so some of your stuff could be marked as your stuff. So it goes in and out, but you don't share it with anybody. But some of it you could share. 
Definitely a lot of things that would be that would definitely apply to you know stuff that you're just like it, it depends on the amount of use. Like laundry is something that's tough because you know you're kind of doing laundry a lot. If you I don't know how many people you have living in your house, but like certain things like yeah, just I don't need this right now. But, move it, you know. Yeah, depending Somebody on how you want to live. Yeah, you could um, you could strip you, it down. You could strip it way down, and also you can you can hook those warehouses up to like a shipping grid. So yeah. like for like a fancy anniversary dinner you could like rent fancy china and table setting and have it wheeled in for like an evening and so right having china tablecloth candles whatever right so basically it would allow you to live cheaply basically the goal like before the industrial revolution like 70 percent of our labor went towards food production Mm-hmm. And it managed to get down to like 5%. Mm-hmm. I want to do the same with housing. Housing is like 70% of our, maybe less than that, I don't know, but a big chunk of our income goes towards housing, even if you're renting. But my goal is to get housing so cheap that it's almost free, like $10,000 right. house. Like you comfortably have the option of saying, I'm going to live on a shoestring two rooms uh, maybe yeah right i really don't need much but you still have all of the stuff that you, right. maybe not you appliances you still have access to the same amount right. of stuff you just wheel it in and out um like you're just kind of living inside of a wheelbarrow <laughs> yeah yeah you could even live nomadically like every night you could sleep in a different spot and the stuff would just follow you around through the app that moves stuff through the shipping grid Make sure you have enough shirts by next morning. It'll ship the shirt to where you're at. And okay. So why this would help with racial equality. Uh, obviously, if housing is way cheaper, that's that's a good thing. Actually, I, th- I think what, what it would end up being is it would be the biggest transfer of wealth in the history of the United States because it would collapse like the, um, the real estate industry if like 40% of young people Everybody who doesn't have kids, it probably wouldn't be good for kids at first, mm-hmm. but eventually maybe if everybody could have the same amount of stuff and it was convenient and you could get it for $10,000, why would you want to pay $280,000 for a house? It just wouldn't make sense anymore. If, if the price difference was that stark, maybe you'd rent a house for the kids or buy a house for the kids. But no. until the point where the kid pops out, you probably wouldn't want to pay a $1,500 mortgage or $800 mortgage mm-hmm. if you could pay $100 a month and have the same amount of stuff. So um, it would be a great equalizer, and it would make universal basic income plausible if housing was that cheap. Way more yeah. plausible, I should say. Right. It's practically Danish what you're talking about there. Yeah, and it would allow poorer people to... If they're in that system, it's easy to move. Right. Like if, if there's not opportunities where you're at or it's high crime area where you're at or the particular field of employment, factory closes where you live, it's easy to move. Yeah, and then it eliminates the need for chores. If all of your stuff is wheeled in and out, it can wash your clothes for you. It can do the dishes for you, cook for you. Um, Wait, what's it? There's like a machine. The the, the machines in the, the neighborhood uh, facility provide a lot of new jobs. Some of okay. that would probably be automated. This is beside the point, but um, it would take yeah. the um, responsibility for environmentalism out of people's hands and into a business setting 
like if you own a washer, you normally you use it until it dies 20 years later or 10 years later. You don't have a spreadsheet where you're calculating the energy efficiency. Even if you're super green, calculating the inefficiency to, and going online and finding greener alternatives to see when the optimal greenest time to replace your washing machine is. But if you're this giant corporation who does the washing for half a million people. Washco. Or house co uh, right. that owns the, all, the whole neighborhoods, houses and all it's the just, you know, fact. It's the Amazon yeah. of housing. Um, you're looking to save that money. I can save ten cents per person if I use these more energy efficient washing machines, even though the other ones aren't broken. So I think it would instead of trying to shame people and swimming against the tide for environmentalism, it would put it in this incentivized. It would just create a system that encourages it. But that's besides the the racial point. But then the, the third idea, I call it the post-COVID garage cities. And this is sort of a, a newer idea. Okay. Basically, I'm picturing for service businesses, like a doctor's office, a dentist's office, a tax mm-hmm. return place, not like a store. Professional area, services. Professional <laughs> services. But right now you have you have a building all of the people are lumped together in the building. There's maybe a waiting room where people get right next to each other and they breathe each other's air. And mm-hmm. there's a ventilation system that blowing the air throughout the whole building, maybe, and getting people s- sick with COVID. You have the parking garage or the parking lot next to it. And then everybody's walking past each other in the parking lot. They're meeting each other in and out through the like main doorway mm-hmm. usually. Right. But so my alternative, hopefully there's somebody else talking about this because it's pretty obvious. My alternative, I called it the garage city. It doesn't have to be a garage, but the idea would be one parking spot per room. So you get out of the parking spot, you go straight into the room that has the service. There's no waiting room. There's no communal there's area. No, yeah, there's no communal area. You're not walking across the big parking lot. You're parking right next to it. So like a parking lot would be labeled like I'm going in room 75 the parking lot is 475 so it tells you exactly where this is where you're supposed to park and you could even put like a five foot like naturey gap between each parking spot so you could do it that way or you could have like the original idea was two stall garages like an endless row of two stall garages and one stall would be the customer and one stall would be the business so that's where the customer and the business would meet so you could have the um the business in the room, whether it's a, a garage stall or whether the parking spots are next to it or whatever, you could have it be, this room is always a dentist's office, or you could have it be like a general purpose room where for this hour, it's reserved for a dentist and a person to meet. And then the next hour, it's reserved for a hairstylist and a customer to meet. So it's like a general purpose meeting place for the well, it wouldn't be by the hour, it'd be by the day, I guess. And they'd have to, you know, equipment would have to be kind of shuttled in. So all this is to, re- to eliminate waiting areas almost. like just To, to eliminate waiting areas, to eliminate walking past each other in the parking lot, to eliminate meeting each other in and out through the, like, main doorway, mm-hmm. to eliminate the ventilation system that blowing the air throughout the whole building, to eliminate the need for a business to have, like, a sign in a prime location. Like they would be a locationless business if they wanted to be. Yeah. To find me, I'm like going to be in. They'd use an app. In, yeah, just click on my app. It's spot 735B. 
Yeah, some of the garages could be this one. You have an X-ray machine just affixed there. It's always there. But some of them, you could put like a barber chair on like a trailer truck that's easy to just wheel in there. And mobile units is a good idea. I like to bring it to people. Similar, you could go to their house. But my thought was, well, it'd be cheaper if you're always just moving amongst these garages. Yeah. I don't know if you do your primary exams in like a generic doctor room without much equipment, just like the, yeah, the chair with the paper room. on it. You could have those in. Yeah, you just have a, a tote box that has like all of my equipment I need. But you could either make that totally mobile. It wouldn't have to be a fixed. I got to sterilize certain things. I got to have stuff that's like clean, obviously. Yeah. Got to have my sounds clean, you know. The other thing is if it's in the form of the garages, you wouldn't need ventilation that much because every time you'd open the garage all the air would blow through. It'd be like a drive through oil change place with the garage door on both sides. Yeah. You open them both, the air rushes through, it gets the COVID out. So it's not going through the ventilation ducts. Mm. So um, okay. maybe it could help with that. But um, it would allow for like flexible businesses and how it would help with like racial equality is that it'd be easier to start a business if you didn't need to, um, you didn't need to have a place a of business where you're place. paying $2,000 a month on a prime main street and TV commercials and yeah. rent and all that. You, you could create like mm. these mini businesses and even like hairstylists. Like, um, I don't know about, is there competition between businesses then? I mean, to kind of like, maybe, you know, I mean, it's, it's still going to exist. Like they want their business to thrive. So they're going to say, listen, I got to figure out how do I get like the most garage time or something like that, you know, efficiency of garage use or something like a spot use. I don't but know. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I was going to ask you about this. So like a dentist, like one of my dentists was called Powell and Udry's. So mm-hmm. there's a dentist named Powell. There's a dentist named Udry's Udry, right. Right. but there's other dentists there. So I think the Powell and Udry are like the owners, senior partners, They're the senior right. partners. And then, but there's other dentists there and I don't know how they get, I'm assuming they're not, like a law firm name you know, equal like. partners they're like renting space sort of so paul and right. udry are making money some money off of what that other dentist is doing and like right. a hair salon like fantastic sam's is where i used to go the hairstylist is paying a large chunk of what they're making too. the corporation fantastic sam's yeah that's so there's like these middleman companies or owners that wouldn't need to exist anymore like you could pay the person directly they could be an independent hairstylist and right. they could buy their own barber chair for $300 or whatever it costs. And they could wheel it on the back of something that hooks to the trailer hitch of their car or fits in the back of a pickup truck or something. And they could wheel it in, in and out of the garage and they wouldn't need to pay 40% of their hairstylist commission to some middleman or some corporation. Instead of sticking it to the man, you're sticking to the sand. The fantastic Sam. I mean, that's why he's so fantastic because he's owned so many goddamn barbershops. But does that apply to like doctors? Like, I don't know if you're part of, you're in a hospital or if you're in like a. Um... Yeah, I'm in a group with like other doctors and uh, there is a partnership. So like we all kind of share equally if you've been in a certain amount of time and done a certain amount of work. Um, they don't really have like a senior partners, you know, like a, like a law firm where it's like, yeah, you know, welcome to the law firm of, you know, Dewey Cheatham and Howe. Here's and the then the other partners. lawyers make yeah. about a quarter of the money. Right, right. You, I mean, you're going to have always have people that are like, you know, if any business, you're going to have somebody like, I'm new. They got to earn their way up to, to some degree. So there could still be some sort of rudimentary system like that that rewards the people that are like, you know, but it kind of gets people more equitable quickly, I think is what you're thinking of. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, if there's if you're in a business with somebody that is like, you know, really wants to exploit you, don't work for these people. <laughs> like that's a, that's but a good, anyway, you know, so I think yeah. it would encourage entrepreneurship among poorer people because the investment Anything, would be a lot yeah. lower, right? And there wouldn't they wouldn't be giving as much to some middleman. I mean, obviously they would be giving something to the garage, but I think it would be less. Right. And th- within the app, it could be based on yeah. individual hairstylists. Their actual, yeah. th- w- there wouldn't be it, a brand attached to yeah. it. Building a business without the some of the onus or the the, the yoke of having to like you know deal with the real estate aspect of it and the uh, but I mean it's still something where you have to like you know I don't know yeah like if it's like sharing equipment you're sharing it with other people that do the same thing as you that are in direct competition with you. So you've got like, well, Hey, wait a minute. You know, I'm like, I'm trying to, I don't know. I guess it all depends on what you want to do with a business. Like if you're like, say, Hey, listen, I want to serve these people and I want to do this. And, but there's always going to be people that want to do a business where they're just like, they want to grow. I want the volume. Right. Exactly. You know, there's always that, there's always that, like, you gotta be very careful whenever there's something that's growth for the sake of growth. And that's happens in anything, you know? That's like the part of capitalism is like, ah, uh, crap. You know, like <laughs> this is where it's like, do we need this? It's, it's, yeah, know. so it would so, it would lower the bar of entry so yeah. that would help poorer people. And no, I think that's, yeah, that makes that makes sense for, there's definitely certain businesses that would be way more ac- applicable than others. But Yeah, it might not work for everything. It would work for a yeah. lot of things, though. Well, like what about like for like industrial stuff, like are people that want to do like, you know, metalworking and work with tool and die stuff i mean like in those places like they have their own like you know yeah. industrial row i mean sometimes they have crazy like, machinery you know <laughs> yeah it wouldn't work for all of that i mean sometimes right. they have like it worked for like open tool yeah. shops that people can do yeah. to- it would work for like dentistry to some degree and certain medical healthcare stuff for tax sure. stuff yeah, one to one sort of thing. Yeah. Know, manufacturing, no, but I mean, like hair, tattoos and haircuts. And I think it, it would ultimately be probably like half of all businesses that would work for sex workers, <laughs> massage tables, and um, I'm trying to think of right. what all the businesses are, but a lot of them it would work that way. And um, everything's on the move. Yeah, and, and also it could help. Like, let's say you're a high end service that normally you couldn't afford to locate in a poor neighborhood mm-hmm. but let's say you're from there or you want to serve people there but it's just not financially viable mm-hmm. but here you could do that part-time you could make most of your money right. serving the rich people for half of the time and then the other half of the time you could be in the garage somewhere yeah. else serving the poor people who you care about right if there's something that needs to be done it's like in certain areas i mean probably healthcare. i think if you're thinking of it in terms of more as a a way to kind of like uh, level the playing field versus like, hey, this is the way it's going to be so we don't deal with viral spread again or something. You're yeah, I mean, it, it started to do with COVID. And I think, yeah. yeah, even after COVID, we should have things that don't spread germs as much like this. Yeah. You're, you there's going to be a lot of stuff redesigned. I agree. I might see stores, you know, grocery stores redesigned. I don't know. I posted this on Facebook. that Every single comment was negative. <laughs> People really don't want to change at all because oh. of COVID. Like, I didn't get so, one positive. Just people tore your idea up, essentially? Like, yeah. Essentially, oh. That's creativity wasted. I'm know, not, not quite so. done yet. I know that we're over time. So okay. if you combine all three of these ideas, you have the flexible businesses, you have the flexible housing, and you have the flexible schooling. Mm-hmm. So then that 
would allow people to lead flexible lives, move where the jobs are, move their kids, move their house, move their job. So people wouldn't be trapped in like low-income areas and not have the money to get away. They all fit together as the three pieces of a puzzle. You probably even it would fix politics in a way because you couldn't gerrymander. You'd have to adapt to people. You'd have to like almost start a new city like this or something. Like, you know, they say like, we're going to work this from the ground up and just kind of build it up, you know. You know, and then how would this be implemented, you know, be... Uh, but most of them require a lot of tech, like uh-huh. moving your stuff around, keeping track of the test results and yeah. um, keeping track of, like, who's okay. reserved in which garage. But it's not, like, crazy complicated. The house one is probably the most complicated, and it could all screw up sometimes, but uh, it worked well. All right. It's Walmopolis is what you're talking about. It's a play on your name. I just think it's good that stand-up comedians have solved the problem of labor being exploited. Yeah. If if I ran against Bernie, would you vote for me? If you name I believe that Tom Walma has my vote. <laughs> my show, Beer Stoop, Toledo, first Monday of every month, free show, 8 p.m., we're coming back in August with a great new lineup. You're around Toledo looking for a fun night. First Monday of every month at the Beer Stube, B-I-E-R, at uh, Monroe Street, Hobby Lobby parking lot, baby. Hottest spot in town. Are you doing a Labor Day show? That's the first Monday in September. Yeah. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and give a review or rating on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you got it. I have a website, creativitywasted.com, and I also started a Patreon. So if you love the show, consider donating to Patreon. Thanks for listening.